This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. Hello and welcome to another PWI Virtual Roundtable. I'm Kevin McElvaney, Editor-in-Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, Joining me again is Pro Wrestling Illustrated senior writer, Al Castle. Hi, everybody. Uh, how are you doing, Al? Good, good. This uh, Twice in one day I've been recording with the PWI crew, so that's a good day. So, I mean, we were supposed to have your co-host uh, fr- from the PWI podcast, Brian Solomon, here. He was stuck in traffic. We'll see if, if that happens, whether he, he makes it or not. I hope he does. Yep, I, I trust that he'll try to jump in if he can. Yeah. So, uh, but we have two non-household uh, names for, as far as PWI is concerned, anyway. That was an awkward way to put that. We have two, <laughs> two guests joining yeah. us today. That's the word that people use. Um, yeah. But we ha- are graciously being joined by co-owner of Bell to Bells, Kristen Ashley. Thank you for, yeah. for joining us. Yeah. And then we have Harmony Cox, who writes for Bell to Bells and has a lot of other projects. Oh. Thank you both for joining. I'm uh, very good at introducing people. I'll say I still have time there. Um, but yeah, thank you both for joining. Um, there, there were a lot of things that I've been thinking about that we've been talking about internally at PWI, um, particularly as we are at, hard at work on the PWI 500 issue, which, which comes out. Uh, about a month from now, a little, little more than that, the digital version, and then the print version will follow a few weeks after that uh, as we record this. But that and then the women's 100 issue, um, which will follow the issue after that. Um, so what spurred this on, I think it's, it's fair to say, is a tweet that was directed at PWI asking, you know, why don't you integrate the men's and the women's lists? Because there are a lot of amazing women's wrestlers at the top of the game right now, especially in WWE. I mean, uh, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Asuka stealing the show every single week, which I don't think anybody could argue with that. Um, and so I took that opportunity to not, a, <laughs> we're not ranking them. And I, I just want to like lead with them. They're not, lead with that point i know a lot of people are disappointed by that they're not ranked in this year's pwi 500 not because we don't think they're among the greatest wrestlers in the world um but admittedly it's because our ranking system is set up in a way um that i think before we have a fully integrated list we need to have to consider some things which I, I hope we can talk about today a little bit um but we are including women gender fluid, non-binary wrestlers in the list this year. It's ridiculous to say this is a male list um, for so many reasons. And one of those reasons is that there's a lot of intergender competition, especially in the independence. Um, in, in Impact, you had Tessa Blanchard holding the heavyweight championship. Um, that was really how we began this conversation when we went to do the rankings. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Al, maybe you can actually jump in here because there was some back and forth about this during the media. Maybe you can share some additional context with our with our guests about this and and our thought process for you know including some women in in the list this year because they're deserving. But at the same time, 
we were a little unsure. I think you even said something during the meeting. Maybe yeah, eventually. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if um, the, the tweet that you got uh, preceded that, but I remember bringing it up um, at, at the list uh, during our, our meeting um, for the 500 as uh, maybe in, in that in inevit- inevitability uh, in the future, easy for me to say. Um, and it, it does seem like that's kind of the, uh, the direction everything um, is going. Uh, selfishly, not not that I, I uh, do much work on on the um, the women's one hundred, but uh, it'd certainly be easier to <laughs> to consolidate the two in terms of workload. But it you know, I I think um, in so many different ways, this year's five hundred has us thinking about issues that we've never thought uh, before, and and that just reflects uh, world events and kind of you know. Um, the reckoning that America is facing on, on so many, uh, cultural issues. And, uh, this was one, you know, um, and, uh, as you touched on, you know, at, at one point when we started the women and it was the female 50 before it was the women's 100. And at the time, I know there's a big, uh, kind of pet project of, uh, Dan Murphy, who was a big booster of women's wrestling. Uh, it was still kind of a novelty and, um, the, the women's, uh, the female 50, predated the the women's uh uh evolution and um i don't know if it quite went back to the the brawn panty matches uh, uh days but it yeah, was not, not quite that of it. Yeah. it was, i mean shimmer was an entity by yes. the time it was yeah. that was in terms of what that. what on on um a mainstream pro wrestling what WWE was presenting right uh i mean that might have been kind of the uh the michelle mccool days and and, and that kind of stuff uh, which was, was certainly worlds better than than years before it, uh, but now it's gotten so far. I mean, now we've we've had women headline um, WrestleMania, and now um, I remember uh, talking to to Charlotte about this in the uh, the hot seat interview featured in the the current issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, the we've kind of gotten um, over this hump in in the women's movement uh, in in a good way. Where it feels like the novelty is worn off, and and now, um, you know, when, when there was the first women's Hell in a Cell or the first women's Royal Rumble, it was like, oh, well, can you imagine? You know, women in in the Royal Rumble, and it, the, it just feels course. like, yeah, they're just wrestlers now, and yeah. that's a good thing. And and um, because of that, it it does. I did feel we need to at least address the question: why are why are they separate? You know. Um, if they are essentially doing the same thing, uh, 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 competing on, on the same shows, you know, when, when you look at the criteria for the, the PWI 500, it's essentially the same criteria uh, for the, the women's 100. Um, so the, the only thing separating it is um, this issue of gender. And, and as you touched on, it's even kind of further muddied now by women and, and men working together. Uh, but even before that, the reality is that that women were training under men and with men for years and years and years, right? Um, so it just feels uh, like kind of an arbitrary uh, separation. And 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 I mean, the reality is that that there are a, a lot of uh, uh, issues to address and, and reasons why it makes sense. And and for one thing, once you you consolidate the two, you're losing a lot. Uh, a lot of people will lose their spots on either right and um you know 
of the the 100 women that are ranked in any given year, maybe 50 will make it to the five. I mean, who knows? Uh, and and then that's also theoretically 50 fewer spots for men. So um, there are going to be some folks who who wouldn't be happy about it if and when we get to it. So I, I do think there would be fewer men um, or more men not being on the list than than women. I think there would be strong arguments to have most of the, the women who would make the list. That's a good list. point because we but, only, cause it's not two 500 lists. Right, but, right. But before you and I get too far into this, uh, <laughs> I feel like we've had our guests sitting here as, a, as the two men yammer on about women's wrestling for 25 minutes. Um, so let's, let, let's be polite and, uh, and, and human. <laughs> I, I went straight to you and I should have gone to our guests first, but I wanted to shed a little bit of context of where we were coming from. So... I mean, I guess let's, I'll start with, with Kristen here first, because you chimed in on Twitter during this conversation um, and kind of said, you know, it would be great if we eventually got to this point, but I, I also understand you want to do this kind of the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we spoke a little bit uh, about this off, off of uh, Twitter afterwards, too, mm-hmm. but... I appreciated that you wanted to be involved in this somehow. And while the, the 500 is very much underway at this point, we're actually designing the issue at this point. So, so complete right. all of it is, I mean, just from a practical standpoint is unfortunately not possible. Right. Um, but um, even before that, I had been considering reaching out to you because I thought it would be great if you could join us for the women's 100 issue to be on the ratings committee. And uh, very glad that you've, um, accepted that invitation. So that's, I'm excited yeah. for that. Um, but I mean, when you saw all this, so running, co-owning bell to bells, um, seeing this announcement that we make my long Twitter thread that like, what is he even talking about at some points? Cause it's, I go very into, I, I think I'm, I sometimes tend to write things like everyone knows how PWI has been approaching things forever. And like, no, the real, realistically, not everyone does. Now our readers do. Like who right. for a long time, but right. most people on Twitter are are have varied levels of understanding, you know, and don't at least don't see the whole picture because they haven't been reading the magazine for years. And I, so like when you saw this, what were your thoughts? Like your your gut reaction when you first see this announcement, and like you yeah. don't need to sugarcoat, just go for it. <laughs> I mean, I can I can understand why people would be upset yeah. that they're not mixed. But I, I also understand that they're not completely one one list because the sad truth is there are more male wrestlers. So if you mix the two lists, you're probably not going to get 100 women's wrestlers. I mean, that's just the sad truth of it. So, you know, it depends on really it's what is the goal of the list, right? Is Do you want one list that's 500 but also is fully compatible with equality and I mean it's it's fully equal or is your goal well, we want to highlight as many independent women who maybe are not on TV weekly as we can because the truth is that the women's revolution didn't start with WWE in 2018 2015 whenever they called it it didn't start then it started way before then and there are women who have been wrestling in the indies a lot longer than women who have been wrestling in WWE. So, I mean, you also want to give them a chance to be on a list too. Um, and maybe some of them are less 
well, they're likely less known than, you know, your Oscars and your, your Becky's and all that. So I can see both points. And I think really ultimately it's what's your goal? Is your goal to showcase more women? Is your goal for a fully equal list? That's, that's what you have to balance there, I think. For sure. Right. Yeah. And I think those things don't have to be at odds with each other, but my concern right now in doing it, if, if let's say right now we were starting the list from scratch, um, after hearing some more opinions about this, I would, I would certainly give more weight to the idea of just completely one list this year. But um, on the other hand, while you have the Oscars and the Sasha Banks and the, the, the Becky Lynch's and, and so on and so forth, um, you have a clear case because we, I mean, it's not really a secret. We, the list is largely ranked closer to wrestling being a sport. I mean, we're, we used to purely cover everything like that. It's certainly shifted a little bit. We put a little more em- emphasis on influence, um, in-ring ability, things like that, because I mean, the magazine has evolved as the wrestling business has evolved, right? But one of the cool things I think about the PWI 500 is that it's not just this person is a good wrestler. We have, even though it's subjective, of course it is. You know, we, we are human beings trying to, to evaluate and a sport that's really more of an art form, you know, like it's, so it's, it's, you, we have these criteria, we have the win loss record activity, um, quality of competition, diversity of competition and ring ability. Am I missing anything out? So. It sounds about it. So we talk okay. About let's, let's say that's it. If not, it's the other one. Oh, influence on the sport. I, I just said it. And, uh, <laughs> but I um, what I worry about is I think there's some WWE wrestlers who, I mean, you could easily see where the wrestlers we mentioned earlier would be in the top five, top 10 of the list based on those criteria. Right. And I mean, they have the top titles. Then there's kind of, you know, you have the tag team, women's tag team titles in WWE and, and you can still, those are still, especially the past couple months have been a, a much bigger deal. So you can put those on par with any secondary title. And then there's, literally nothing else. So anyone who has not been in, we put a lot of emphasis. If you look at the top of the list every year, it's people who've been in main events. It's people who've had the the top titles. And when you don't have those titles to compete for, for the most part in WWE and at all in most of the other promotions, I think there's certainly a case to put most of the women who will be in the women's 100 list on the 500, but would they rank well or would they have kind of a middling rank? Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I think if to people like Carmella, who um, a couple of years ago would have been higher because championships, but right. Year, yeah, right. But this year, I in, in I imagine she'd make the women's one hundred somewhere, right? I mean, maybe yeah. she's kind of in the middle of the order. Um, but where would you put her in in, in the PWI five hundred? You know, would would she would she break the top three hundred? Would she be on it at all? It, it's um, it's hard to it, say. Yeah, because yeah. she hasn't she hasn't been. Um, in these big main event type matches, like maybe she was a few years ago. She hasn't had championships. I mean, how do you justify putting her over someone who held uh, multiple championships in stardom, which is, I mean, much less visibility, but I mean, championships, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, and, And I think we can, there's a way to do this, but I think the way our rankings are set up, it's kind of, um, yeah, I, I, it's like disadvantageous to a lot of women's wrestlers right now. You're kind of like, right, right. It's, they, they, it's, 
it, it and we do have to be careful if in in the um an effort to be progressive we actually do um potentially women a disservice which could totally happen i mean especially so i mean another thing is we are as far as contr- regular contributing writers have been a lot of guys we've had women on staff contributing to the magazine in the past but it has been a while it's there's it's it's men and when it's men yeah, Hunter at the uh, the press conference a, a few weeks ago at the uh... <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Liz Hunter. So Liz Hunter um, is no longer working for the magazine. If, if anyone's... Fired, Liz. All right. I don't know how familiar our guests are with Liz Hunter and Matt Brock. So Liz Hunter and Matt Brock are not real people. Those are pseudonyms that various writers have used over the years. Um, so Liz Hunter was not really. But we did have you know, Brandy Van Kevitz. Um, we had... Uh, it's ter- uh, Lisa. I'm terrible with last names, but um, Rocky, I think, um, who was an editor shortly before I started. There have been dozens of writers and editors in the history of PWI. So I'm not. I don't mean any disrespect by not remember anybody's name, but there are a lot of people who Stu Stu Sachs would certainly remember their names, but he was at it a lot longer than I was. Um, at any rate, so Harmony, you, you were asked to come and be a part of this. I don't know if you saw any of the stuff going on on Twitter, but I mean, generally speaking, what do you make of all this? Because we're taking this approach that's a little bit antiquated, but it's also maybe a little more objective than, than just saying this wrestler is good. And I'm, it, where, do you, where, do you, where do you think we walk, we should walk the line with this? And I mean, that's a, that's a big ask, but. I mean, my wheels have been turning the whole time you guys have been talking. I, I think this is a really, it's a fascinating conversation um, and I think it's tough because if you, if, I mean, it seems like the, the most significant factor in PWI or like not the most, but a really important factor is how wrestlers are kind of featured and used by the companies that they work for. But at companies like WWE and I'd argue AEW, some of the other bigger North American promotions, they don't do well by their women's division. And we also know that there's a specific look that the companies look for. <laughs> there's that don't hit that look, don't do well. I mean, right now the backstage story is that Shayna Baszler just got her push cut because she doesn't fit the mold of what you would expect a WWE wrestler to look like. And I know that's like a rumor. I don't know if it's, but also I know she hasn't been on TV much lately. So, um, and then you have wrestlers like Naomi and Naomi I'd argue is really influential she she's broken through to mainstream so many times little kids love her her merch sells like crazy every time they give her an opportunity to do something she gets that pop like if wwe would invest the time and energy in her she like there's no reason she's not a 10-time champ at this point she's a really good wrestler she's really charismatic she ticks all those boxes but she doesn't tick a box at wwe and because of that she's never going to outrank like like she's never going to get the time that like Lacey Evans gets, who's arguably a much greener, less talented wrestler. So it's like, I don't think it's PWI's job to fix those problems necessarily. Like if you guys can call Vince and like straighten this out, that would be great. <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> make a call. Shot, right? <laughs> we don't have that power now. No, Harmony, I think raises a, a good point that I thought of too. Um, and in as much as um, the criteria is the same for the men and the women, the, the PWI 500 and the women's 100, the reality is 
uh, that there is this extra set of criteria for the women that is not imposed by us, but is a reality, which is appearance, right? Because um, in as much as you rank well the, uh, uh, based on the success that you achieve in wrestling, so much of that, at least in, in WWE, and I think to some extent in other companies, is based on appearance. So, um, you know, not, not to... to throw anybody under the bus but just because i brought her up or again let's say uh carmella who's a fine uh, wrestler and, and and athletic uh but there was a time where she was getting you know world title runs and she was a, a featured act and um i think we'd all be lying if, if we said that at, at least uh a, a part of of WWE making that investment in her wasn't sex appeal right um that that was a part of it and that and and the reality is that to some extent that exists for the men too but to a, a, a much uh less of extent but uh, last night and and with with my wife and um you know she's commenting on how nice drew mcintyre's beard looks <laughs> you know he's he's a, a, a fine looking gentleman but you also but, but that's much less a concern i mean you see uh and, and that's a good thing on WWE's part because I think they've they've moved away um, from uh, aesthetics from from men more in recent years. So you could have you know Keith Lee headlining on NXT or Kevin Owens as a big actor, Samoa Joe, but uh, uh, Anaya Jax is still this kind of novelty act, right? I mean, you just you just don't see women. She's the exception, um, pretty much in, in in the whole company. Uh, less so in other companies where you do see more different body types, but with WWE, I mean, world's better for sure from the days of Candice Michelle and Sable and Tori Wilson, uh, a headlining, but it, it's still there. Right. And again, that's not to knock any of the, the divas of the, of the past. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, obviously Sable was, was very good. At- yeah. She was very popular for a reason. Tori Wilson worked. They right did. They did well. Not knocking any of them. We're just that talking the, about that. Was the job description at the past? That and, and, yeah, sure. Right. So it's also. I, I would also throw out there that a lot of those divas trained really hard and became awesome wrestlers and kicked a lot of ass. Like, hundred percent. Yeah. They couldn't control the culture that they got hired into, but I have a lot of respect for wrestlers like Nikki Bella and. For Stratus, people who were hired because they were pretty and fell in love with it and worked really hard and got really good at it. I don't want to like say anything to disparage those people. I feel like it's more the the company in general. Like you mentioned Kevin Owens, and I love Kevin Owens. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But he gets body shamed all the time on WWE. Like commentary makes fun of him all the time. Yeah. Um, poor Otis, like he I mean, every time he's in a pay-per-view. I hear like Corey Graves. And by the way, Corey Graves with that haircut, he doesn't get to make fun of people's appearance. <laughs> like every time, like he's, every time he does any, like the worm or whatever, like Corey Graves is acting like he's seeing the world's worst abomination in front of him. Like it is, they're not a body friendly company just because they're willing to let fat dudes wrestle now. Like, <laughs> that, but I also come, I'm also conflicted because I really love those wrestlers. I love Otis. I love Kevin Owens and I want to see them wrestle. I can't imagine a woman who looked like that getting a chance at WWE though. And it really bums me out because there are large bodied, incredible female wrestlers who are missing their chance at WWE. Um, I mean, like 
look how they treated like Bo Meccano back in the eighties. Like commentary for her matches are rough. Like you could not play a lot of it today. Um, and she's like one of the most influential champions they ever had. Um, and none of that seems to have really changed. Like they don't like, it seems like it's still a big problem in the company. Sorry. That's just something that really bothers me. No, that's, I mean, that's definitely worth uh, drawing attention to because hey, Brian, it, it's an issue. Oh, Brian, Brian. Well, Hi. So, Sorry, I mean, everybody. All right. It's a, uh, you probably didn't choose to sit in traffic. Um, but, no one does. No one does, Kevin. <laughs> if you did, I mean, maybe you had an audio book you wanted to listen to. <laughs> but so essentially we were just talking about this standard based on appearance, um, which applies to both men and women, um, more so to women in WWE. And then a lot of wrestlers are just not given the opportunities that some other wrestlers are given because they don't necessarily fit the mold. So um, we use the example, Al just mentioned Carmella. I think Harmony, you said, was it Lacey Evans getting opportunities over say Naomi, for example, who's proven that she's great. And there's been, there's been a big uh, rallying cry to get more uh, attention and opportunities thrown Naomi's direction because she's she's proven that she can do it and the times when she's she's been champion or or been in the mix um she I mean she's incredible right I mean she's great in the ring has incredible presence awesome look uh she's she has this uh crossover appeal as you said she where she's people who don't give a crap about wrestling see her and like wow She's amazing. And I mean, I can attest to that. I, uh, a previous job I had, it was uh, my editor there saw, like, I think I was just showing her as an example, like, because I do a lot of social media things like, oh, check out Naomi here and her Instagram and, and like just how, how great everything is. And she has themes going on. She's like, this is incredible. I don't care about wrestling. I'm following her, you know? So, and she has that kind of presence immediately. And I mean, people, there are people who just watch, total divas and love her from that uh so i mean she's just one example and i mean we 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 can't pretend that this is just a coincidence over and over again that like the the conventionally attractive uh blonde women get get the the pushes right like that's and and that and then how does that because we are covering wrestling as a sport to some degree and people who win titles who are in main events do better I mean, it's kind of baked into our, our ratings a little bit, right? Yeah, so, I mean, we can only respond in that sense to who's being pushed and who, you know, if you're if you're ranking based on that, you're kind of in a corner, you know, because then what do you do? I mean, you can call out, you can call it out, obviously, but there's still that responsibility to respond to who's getting the push and who's winning the titles and that sort of thing, certainly. Yeah, and, and yeah. we've dealt with that on the men's side with the 500 over the years. I mean, you know, there was a year that Miz was number one. uh, And uh, certainly Stu was not a big fan of that. Um, And I I think there's a few people on the staff, but it was like, well, he was the guy who's getting the big world title push for much of the evaluation period and others over the years. I mean, if you look at the history of the 500, there are people who have uh, the the first 500 uh, was Hulk Hogan, you know, uh, first number one ranked person. 
Um, and he wasn't setting the world on fire with, you know, five-star matches or anything like that, but he was getting the biggest push in the biggest company. So um, it, it happens on, on both sides. But uh, again, I think the point with the women is that so much of their push, even now, is based on appearance. Just a quick point on, on Naomi, being the being devil's advocate a, a little bit, um, she has gotten some big pushes uh, in, in the past. And to some extent, I think the just like with the men, um, I think you have to accept that People are going to be rotated in and out of the the main event scene, and with fewer unless, women, unless you're one particular lines, wrestler, but what's that? Unless you're one particular wrestler, sure, yeah. <laughs> but with fewer women, there are fewer storylines. So at any given time, there's only a handful of women uh, being featured because there's only a handful of feuds uh, being featured. And then the other part, I, I'm not buying that. Like, well, maybe it's personal taste. I think Naomi is very attractive. Um, so I, I don't know that that her appearance uh, uh, holds her back at all. Um, and uh, there's also the the politics of, of wrestling. Naomi's gotten herself in trouble uh, a few times, and and that might weigh into um, her her push as well. So um, I think there there are other forces at play why any given person may or may not be getting a push at any given time. Yeah, I mean, that, that certainly, I'm sure it enter, enters into it. Um, I do think that some wrestlers are given more opportunities than others, regardless. And there is, yeah. you know, that's, and I mean, I don't think you were arguing with that. Um, I mean, w- look at an example, like, and this is on the med side, but how many opportunities has Randy Orton been given over the years? By my count, he had about 13 wellness fo- policy <laughs> violations. I mean, yeah. they just kept saying it was a second. Um, attitude problems. He was not over for a while and then he was very over and obviously the experiment eventually worked out. But I mean, how many other wrestlers have not been given that opportunity have been. Um, and I mean, we're here primarily to talk, you know, gender and pro wrestling, but I mean, there's the question of black wrestlers have not been given as many opportunities and then, Oh, well this guy can't cut a promo, but well, neither can Brock Lesnar, but he's given a manager, you know, like that's, so th- there's definitely an equity there. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's malicious necessarily, but the, the effect is the same. And I think that, that, that rears its head in a lot of ways. And I mean, whether that's gender, race, sexuality, it's a, it's a lot of different things. And I mean, it's far from um, a WWE issue exclusively. This is something that plagues the, the wrestling business, you know, at large. Well, I know I heard Lacey Evans mentioned before, and I, I think that's a, an important person to bring up because I have to say that she is uh, the perfect example, though, of what we're talking about here, which is somebody who, I mean, no offense to her, but did not deserve the push she was getting, really lacking in ability, very, very green, needed a lot of work and was getting this monster push because Vince was a big fan. She had the look that he traditionally went for, you know, sunny, stable, uh, Deborah kind of thing, which I have to say, I mean, it has been encouraging to a degree that they have moved away from that to the degree that it was 10 to 15 years ago. When you had Johnny Ace, for example, running talent relations there, I mean, uh, Kelly Kelly got picked out of a Venus swimwear model catalog. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. I was working there at the time. He saw uh, her in a Venus swimwear model catalog, 
he pointed to her. He said, hire her. I want her. And that was it. And that's how she got her job. And, you know, and that's when you had a roster of women that were there pretty much solely because of their looks. And the idea was, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll teach them how to work and we'll figure it out later. Trish Stratus being the best case scenario of that. But I mean, there were, there were not, they were not all Trish's. Do you know what I mean? And it's gotten a lot better since then, but I think two things have been very discouraging to me lately, which is the Lacey Evans thing and also the Shayna Baszler thing, because I, I, I'm, I was, re- I've really been disheartened to see how basically they brought her up and then just pulled the plug. And from what I understand, I may be wrong on this from what I hear and see through the grapevine. A big part of that was again, the Vince, the Vince part of the equation of being like, well, this is not what I have in mind as a female superstar. And so forget about everything she accomplished in NXT and how much was invested in her and getting her over and everything. And it's just, well, you know, she doesn't look like what I have in mind. And that's, that's the end of that. And that, that those two things I think have been major steps backwards in recent years. I think probably while you were getting in the house and putting your car keys down, uh, we sorry. were talking about that very thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's sorry. It's just, no, but it's but that speaks to the you weren't here. It's like this is not groupthink here. This is this is what a lot of people are feeling. And I mean, maybe that's not. I mean, we're speculating to some degree, but also, I mean, why else was she not on TV? I mean, unless she was sick, but I mean, no word of that or injured or or whatever. But no indication of that. And I mean, certainly had. I mean, even the fact that she didn't win at WrestleMania, right? Because she had that, the Elimination Chamber match just ran roughshod over everybody. That, that was very telling. Basically, her match with uh, with Becky was surprisingly one-sided. I mean, she really, that was not the kind of match I was expecting to see. I mean, she really got humbled in the way that that match was set up. Also, I don't know if you guys mentioned Asuka too, but I mean, they turned her into a clown. I mean, she, she went from being in NXT, she was this phenomenon, right. comes up to the main roster and is and becomes, I mean, it's gotten a little better in recent weeks, but becomes a comedy wrestler because I guess they just can't take her seriously and they turn her into a stereotype. So, you know, that's another problem. I mean, like, to Asuka's credit, like, really gave everything to anything she's been given. I mean, she, she goes for it and she makes it work the best she can, but she really, I mean, uh, that industry could have continued longer. We could go on, but let's just, <laughs> we should probably. I, uh, I do want to, sorry, yeah. oh, sorry, just Oscar had a clown gimmick or clown makeup gimmick when she was Kana and she was actually a terrifying clown. So she can yeah. pull that off if we give her the chance, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you got to let her do the comedy and let her be scary because she's genuinely terrifying if you just let her be the incredibly skilled wrestler that she is. But, and, yeah. and when I say clown, too, I don't mean – I mean in the sense that they, they made her into somebody to laugh at rather than somebody to be intimidated by. Do, do you know, yeah. rather, more, more than, like, in a literal sense, just in the way of, like, they made her – into kind of a joke and i mean i don't know if part of it was i think they really hung her out to dry when they had her cutting her own promos which they never really did in nxt because rather than protecting her her weakness which is her mastery of the english language it was almost like they were trying to highlight her weakness and 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 make almost i hate to say it but almost make a joke out of it in a way It, it it almost seemed like 
And uh, that's something very tellingly that they protected when she was in NXT. Uh, but they just left her out there. I, I really feel like they hung her out to dry in the way that she was booked when she came to the main roster. Yeah, really. Ironically, it's once she started cutting promos in, in Japanese that she became a better promo, right? And, mm-hmm. and now I think she's seen as one of the better promos in the company, cutting promos in a different language. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, it's her native. Well, she's the only person who's actually cutting unscripted promos, I guess, in, in WWE right now, and and uh, and and it makes all the difference. Uh, so, so uh, we could talk about problems within WWE all 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 evening, I guess. But I would actually like to move over elsewhere and talk. And I mean, well, before you can, can can I uh, to keeping it on, on topic? One last thing that I think would be fun to go around uh, the table. Uh, on this topic of, of integrating uh, the 500. Um, if, if we were uh, allowing, if we integrated the list this year, which we're not, uh, I'd ask, I, I'm curious, everybody here, who do you think, which women do you think should be, would belong in the top 10? Yeah, so I thought, also it looks like we may have lost Harmony. Hopefully she gets I back. I think we did, yeah. Uh, so, um, but we'll re- repeat the question. Um, I think I need to think about this. What I, I thought I had my answer, but nope. <laughs> like just in WWE or all around? Anyway, the world is your your oyster there. <laughs> um, like, are we basing it off of skill? Well, well like, the same criteria that we have for the five hundred, okay. right? Which is right. Kevin. <laughs> Titles. Uh, so win loss record, quality of competition, diversity of competition, uh, technical skill. Influence on the sport, and I believe that's it. I, I tend to forget one when I rattle them off out loud. That's a very like to put someone on the spot. So, l- l- well, you can I'll chew that over for a minute <laughs> if you'd like. Yeah, to. Let me chew over. No, it's um, good. I mean, I think um, Charlotte would make the. T- well, Charlotte, uh, uh, I actually, I I would say Bailey is in the top ten. Yeah. On the basis of, I mean, she's held that title for a long time. She's had the the tag title as well. Those are those are things that we would typically really take into consideration. Um, we would probably the evaluation period. I think Becky would be in the top ten, right? Right. Even though she stopped closer to the end of the, the period, she's not technically retired. If someone is officially retired, they're out of the running. But she's not. She's just she's on leave, on maternity leave or pregnancy leave, and then maternity leave, I guess. But presumably, she'll be back at some point. Um, yeah, I think she could easily go in the top ten. Um, I actually had a thought like the NXT women, like could, could Shayna Baszler make it? Could Rhea Ripley make it? Rhea Ripley's reign is a little shorter, so I don't know that she would necessarily, but I think she's top 20. I would put Shayna. Sorry, I would put Shayna for sure. I mean, she held it for so long and she beat people like Kyrie, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would put her in the top 10. Okay, carry on. <laughs> what about? Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately, I think of people like Tessa, right, and Taya, who have fought against men wrestlers, right? Um, if you're thinking about skill and um, the skill set of their competitors. Um, but also people like uh, Shida, right, Hikaru, um, Riho. I'm trying to think who else would be in AEW. That might fit on the list. Well, I mean, that was actually the next point I was I was intending to to bring up was AEW, just because I mean I think 
there's certainly like this depth and quality of talent on that roster. It is not, even though WWE has a, a way to go, AEW could do so much better in presenting its women's division as, I mean, even just having the matches on Dynamite as opposed to on Dark. And Dark is a wonderful show. I love watching it. Um, but it is the secondary show. And that's, I mean, that's honestly one of my concerns. I think we'd have a hard time. There wasn't a dominant standout women's champion necessarily. I mean, Nyla was dominant for the time, time that she had it, but she didn't necessarily have a ton of defenses. Rio is sort of the same thing. Akara Shida, I think, is going to have a terrific run, but it's still early days for that, right? Yeah, so, thing, go on, sorry. Go no, on. please. Well, the thing is, too, I did some math on match time because, unfortunately, that's kind of it's – a, it's a good indicator of how they value the women, right? And AEW, on both cases, did the worst. I mean, they have the lowest amount of matches out of everything. I'm talking impact everybody. So – and they do. I mean, I, I know that it's riddled with, um, you know, injuries right now, but not that riddled. I mean, they have a lot of women, and they're featuring a lot of women as like these weird guest wrestlers, but they're not hiring them, which is strange to me. Yeah, that's. I, mean, I think that's absolutely a concern. Um, Harmony, what do you make of the AEW women's division and how they're presented? As far as, I mean, is it presented like a big deal over there? Is it is it uh, just a lower card attraction? Like like we were maybe just uh, sort of hinting at because. I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that, but it's week in and week out. I mean, a lot of times it's not even on, you know, the main show and, and the match time is not there um, when they are on the main show, like Kristen said. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I've, um, it, I've actually written a little bit about it for Belt Bells, but basically, like, I get frustrated with AEW because they, they know how to get talent. They have an extremely talented women's division. Nyla Rose was a really savvy hire. That I don't think a lot of people saw coming. She's fantastic. She's a great anchor. Um, they have big soul now. Like she's amazing. <laughs> like if so, they, they know how to pick the right people off the indies, but I don't think they have people there that actually know how to produce and present women's wrestling. Well, they, they know how to hire, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to do storylines. They don't know how to produce compelling matches. They're not willing to invest the time to let the audience get to know these people and develop an awareness of them. Like the whole, was it the night? I was going to say the midnight society, but that was the Nickelodeon show. Yes. The nightmare collective that should have been awesome. I mean, come on. Awesome Kong, like stealing people's hair. Brandy Rhodes is a witch. Like that should have been really cool but they just wouldn't invest the time and effort to get it off the ground and make it work. And even when they did, they screwed it up. Like one of my favorite workers from shimmer, Melanie Cruz, um, they brought her, they brought her in to be a part of the nightmare collective and the promo where they shaved her head. And that should be a big deal. Like hair matches for women. That is, I mean, you look back at like the matches in AJW in the eighties and nineties, like a hair match for women is a big deal. Losing hair in the ring is huge. They recorded over that with a pizza commercial. Like you couldn't even tell what was happening. And you watch something like that, and it's like, so you're you're telling me this is this is what we're giving Brandy Rhodes, the the most recognizable and most important to the people running the company, let's be real. 
this is what you're doing with her angle. And I'm supposed to trust you to do a good job with everybody else. Like I'm just not seeing it. And it's frustrating me because I love the talent there, but I feel like they need to hire someone who actually knows what they're doing. And I think Kenny Omega is trying and he's working hard and he's doing his best, but he's approaching it as a male wrestler who's been immersed in the world of male wrestling and likes Joshi wrestling, but like doesn't have the chops of like somebody who's been doing it for the last 20 years and they could hire that person if they wanted to. So for me, it's like, thanks for bringing in the talent, but if you're not going to invest in them, then why do you expect me to invest my time as a viewer? I don't know. And they have that person. It's, it's Emmy Sakura, who's been doing it for like decades, who is training oh, the training the women, right? She's training the women at with the Nightmare Factory. I mean, she's training the women already. Why is she not? I don't understand. Yeah, uh, they had Aja Kong, who had the Arise right. version for like ever. Right. Sorry, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you guys think that? Um, uh, similar to similar to what they did with Chris Jericho when they were starting the company, bring in a uh, a a star, a, a, a recognized mainstream recognizable star to anchor the company, put the world title on him, build around him, and uh, let him give rub to um, the, the other male wrestlers. Could that maybe be a strategy for uh, the women's division as well? And is there somebody? Who, who maybe would fit. And, and essentially what you'd be talking about then for, for mainstream American fans is an ex WWE talent with some star power. So I don't know if it'd be Trish Stratus or th- does that seem like a, a potential fit? I mean, do you, do you go and throw a bunch of money at Trish Stratus to, to bring her in? They had jazz. Jazz. Yeah. For a little while. Yeah. Um, they could have easily built something around her. I think what they need to do is what every promotion needs to do, which is get a, a mid-card title. If they want to start promoting all their women and not just get stuck on one or two women, they need to get a mid-card title and get mid-card stories. I mean, right now, AW has no idea what to do. So they're just throwing women together. There's no tag teams really established. I mean, it's all over the place. So get a mid-card title. They, they very much told me right at the beginning when I interviewed Brandy Rhodes, we're not worried about women's tag titles for a while, but you need something because otherwise you are just throwing women around. And I mean, it's been funny. There's been moments with Brit and Swole that are hilarious, but they're not all going to be like that. You know, that's my, I mean, that's a great point. So as far as the, would you, if you're booking this, would you, would you go to the, the tag title? Well, or would you do like a secondary, the equivalent of an intercontinental championship or something like that? Where, where would, what would be your choice? Personally, because they don't have tag teams really established right now, I think I would just go with a, a mid card, just a single title. Just what they're ready to do right mm-hmm. now. And then, like, that, that's a really good idea, too, because, I mean, we, we, they have Dark, which is, I think, maybe more wrestling match time every week now than, than mm-hmm. Dynamite. It's close, but, like, I mean, those shows are running almost an hour and a half, and they're ha- having, like, eight matches on them. So, yeah, what, if you want to introduce a secondary title, that's a great place to, to uh, have it defended on a regular basis. You don't want to introduce it there. Introduce it on Dynamite or a pay-per-view. But, like, if you don't have room on the, 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 that show, or maybe, maybe the defenses are on Dynamite, but the qualification matches are on Dark. Like, you can really weave this throughout the entire, the entire company. I mean, there's, there, there's so many possibilities. And, I mean, I, I love secondary titles as a way to 
give people things to do and get them to that next level anyway. I mean, like why with a roster that deep? Yeah, I think they could absolutely do it. Yeah, I think if you put like a, a mid card title on Britt Baker, that would be, that'd be great TV every week because she mm-hmm. is a great worker. She can sell stuff. Her feud with Swole is already great. Put a bill in the mix there. That would be so fun, and it would take a little bit of a pressure, uh, take a little pressure off the main title scene. So spread around, get more workers in it, and be able to have a little fun and get us invested in these characters. Because for a lot of these wrestlers, like. I know all of the women in the AEW division because I'm nuts about women's wrestling, but I also right. for a lot of people who don't watch it, this is the first time they've ever seen any of these people and they, they need the chance to get to know and love them like I do. That's very well said. Do you think WWE could benefit from a, a similar approach where they, because I mean, they have the three brands, they have three hours of television on Monday nights. They certainly have a lot more women's matches than they, they used to, but the, the they are personal feuds and that's great, but, sometimes it's good to have a prize to go after, right? I mean, we, certainly from our perspective, because we talk about, okay, this is like uh, objective and as a sport, I mean, I, do you think WWE could pull that off or is that too much with the women's tag titles? And then the, like, does it depend on how, how they're used? I mean, that maybe that's a loaded question. I think they absolutely could have a women's mid-card title if they wanted to. And I think the, if they wanted to question is key. Mm-hmm. Like, Basically, like, you know, the tag team titles are the mid-card title at this point. Like, Nikki Cross wasn't going to get main roster gold any other way. Um, same with Kyrie, And I'm, I'm really sad Kyrie's saying, I guess this is her last night, by the way. Which, yeah. Yeah, she's done it at WWE. But anyway. Um, yeah, they could do it. Like, there are so many talented women on the roster. There are so many of them that are good workers, great, like, big personalities. Like, imagine if you took a mid-card title put it on Bianca Belair and put her on SmackDown. Like that would be fun and that would be cool. And she could do it. But the question is, would the company actually be willing to invest the time and energy and take time away from the male performers that they think Vince, that Vince thinks sells commercials and sink it into that. And that, that's what I don't know because if they did it, like they did the women's tag titles initially where they just like, put the belts on the Iconics and then forgot about them for six months, then that doesn't help anybody. So that that's kind of where I'm stuck. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's an issue in general with secondary titles. I mean, you have like, uh, for example, I mean, right now the intercontinental titles and United States title both seem like a big deal, but I mean, go back six months. Yeah. And then like, maybe a couple months before that, it's fine. And then before that, it's not, I mean, it's, it really, and the same can be said with the tag title. It's uh, it's when they want to focus on it and uh, make it a big deal. But I mean, they already have, if you look at some of these shows recently, and I mean, maybe this is partially speaking to who's able to go to the shows at this point or willing to go to the shows, but uh, just looking at the match lineups, I mean, some nights it is damn near half women's matches. I mean, so if like, if those matches are already on the show, I mean, to me, it makes it makes sense to add some some kind of stakes there, right? And then like give give people something to fight for. But I don't know, Brian, you're you're furrowing your brow a little bit here. I th- I feel like you're a less titles mean more kind of guy. No, no, not so much <laughs> that. But I because I, I think in order to have a multitude of titles, right? I feel like you need to have enough of a talent pool to support it. And I do think that they, de- I mean, they have more women on the main roster. They have more women's matches than 
ever. I mean, literally ever before. So if there ever was a time to do it, to introduce a, a women's secondary title, I mean, this would be the time. I don't know if maybe I might feel a little more comfortable if there were even more women than there are now on the roster for that. Just because if you think about how many men there are on the roster, right? And it, what what I'm saying is you, you don't want to get into the, the situation where all of a sudden every women's match is for some title or another. Because I feel like it helps the women's division when people look and go, oh my God, they have so many women on the roster that it's not just the title matches. Like there are other women's matches too. Because for the longest time, not anymore, but for the longest time, they were still going on that, on the old like fabulous moolah model, which was, and the Alundra Blaze model where it's like, you have your champion and your challenger and that's it. And those are the only women on the show. And when the challenger loses, then we bring in another woman to challenge the champion. And so I think now it's great because they have way more women and they're full time and they could have all these different feuds happening. But I, I, I would like to see even more women than there are now. If you're going to have like a two main, t- two titles, two singles titles, and then a tag team title. And the creative has to be strong too, because that's always been the problem with the women's division. I mean, for the longest time, you know, I would read how, oh, they didn't even care about having heels and faces, like, because they're just women. So who cares? Like women, I mean, that was the attitude of like, well, women are catty and women are constantly, you know, women, uh, all women hate each other. So we don't really need to have a storyline. We don't need to have a good guy and a bad guy. They're just women and they're catty and they're going to fight. Like that was literally the booking mentality for a very long time. I would say up until the women's revolution, really. And maybe even at the beginning of it, I mean, the storylines need to be more coherent to to support the titles. So that's why I'm fur- furrowing my brow. <laughs> I, I think some of that is, is still going on. I mean, tell me right now if if Natty is a babyface or a heel. I have no it idea. It does still happen now, right? It does still happen now. Yeah, yeah. and 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 so um, I I very much not, not that I'm not in favor of a secondary title for women in any of these companies. Um, it, it, I don't think that in and of itself. Um, makes a difference uh one way is there a good way to do it yes there's also a good way to present women with without uh secondary titles so i think that in and of itself is necessarily uh, a difference maker and i would be immediately cautious of just adding more titles um for the sake of of titles i mean we've, we've seen that backfire um on on the men's side yeah the attitude I mean, era. there was i remember the days where there was two world titles in WWE and a U.S. title and an intercontinental title and the European title and a hardcore title and, uh, and I'm and a cruiserweight title. And I'm sure I'm, I'm forgetting that. And, and certainly that there were titles on the lines uh, on the line in, in some of those feuds of those matches didn't make a lick of difference. Right. So um, I, uh, I am more in favor of, and I think in, in, to WWE's credit, they have done more of this. I, uh, uh, as Brian touched on, I think for so long, there was the women's feud, right? The, the women's match and the women's feud that was for the title. And the thought of another women's storyline um, that was just based on storyline, it was almost unthinkable, right? There was just whoever was competing for the title any any given time. And you do see that now. And I think that's a win, that, that there are women involved in feuds and storylines without a title on the line. So in some ways, I feel like introducing a title might be a step backward. Yeah. The only, Please go uh, ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. 
the, the only the one thing I'll, I'll play devil's advocate with with the titles is titles are a career booster. Um, you know, if you have a title, you're more likely to be on a pay-per-view. If you have a title with a nameplate, like that's merch money. Like it, the, in PWI, you're more likely to be on the PWI list if you win a title. Like it's, if the title means something, I mean, where, where is our truth going to be ranked? in the PWI 500 this year, you know, I, I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> Fair and, enough. He's, and he's held more titles than anybody uh, over the last year. Well, it's a quick over. I mean, there's no quick fix. It's got to have a complete overhaul. That's the thing. You can add more women's wrestlers. That won't fix it. You can add more titles. That won't fix it. You could add more patch match time. That won't fix it. You gotta, you gotta overhaul it. You gotta rethink it. And the problem is with WWE, there's one guy that's got the yes or no. And so as long as there's one person with that yes or no who has been doing it for decades and who never thinks he's wrong, you know, are we ever going to see that overhaul? Probably not for a while. Kind of going full circle here. Yeah. I, I think the answer to, to all these things, not, not to simplify it uh, too much, but it is to kind of knock down that wall and that separation of how do we – uh, deal with women. How do we present women's wrestling? How do we? How, what's the right number of titles for for women versus versus, versus men? Uh, and I I think the answer is you 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 present women, you book women, just like you do the men, right? I mean, there's a good way to present pro wrestling regardless uh, of gender, and and what what works for men should work for women. And I think when we've seen wrestling, women's wrestling presented at its best. Th- that's where it's been. I, I went to. Um... You can just go ahead and say NXT. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's I'll, I'll, that's I'll what go. I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, NXT has three or four strong women's feuds going on right now. I mean, if there's a place to add a title in, I, mean, just... I remember going to, to um, Evolution, the pay per view here on on Long Island. Uh, a few years ago. one of my favorite wrestling shows I've I've ever gone to. I thought such a well booked show, um, such a an awesome feeling in in the audience I, I i remember um just seeing girls everywhere i mean like young girls like people bringing their daughters and they're all dressed like their favorite uh, superstars and uh it was just a, a regardless of of men or women it was just a really well booked good wrestling show and i think the best presentation that would be ever put forward of women's wrestling now you can't do that every night uh but i think it is kind of a model for for how do you do it i'll, I'll, I'll ask this question um what is the potential or, or what do you think of an all women's wrestling show going forward, whether it was WWE or, or AEW? Is that again, kind of a step backward in that now you're creating the separation women to get their own show uh, or is it a, I, I think something like a secondary women's title would, would probably have kind of more, more viability on a whole show dedicated uh, to women. If they had an, an hour carved uh, out every week, uh, on television. Uh, so does that make sense? Yeah, I think... Go ahead, Harmony. Go ahead. Oh, well, sorry. I've been talking a lot. But no. Go ahead. Um, I think I would love to see them do something like AEW Dark with the WWE Women's Division. And just, I mean, you could do it like a network exclusive and be like, every week, one hour, here are the best and the brightest women in WWE fighting for this title. Like, I would love that. I think it would do really well. I think it would surprise them how many people would watch it. Um, and I think it would be great because it would give it would give them the chance to give the shine to some talents that we know are at um, NXT that we just don't get to see a lot of. Um, 
I don't know. I just love that idea. I, I see no downsides. I say do it tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I think if it's on the network, it's probably smart. I think um, it depends on the promotion. I think if you put more WWE TV on national TV channels, I think it's just going to maybe not do well enough. Because um, there is, in my opinion, too much thing of too much programming. Like, Raw doesn't need to be three hours. Come on. So I think if on the network, it might actually make the network uh, useful to buy for some people, you know, maybe, maybe they'll actually put out the money for it. Um, I think it just depends on where you put it and who you put on it. In my opinion, it just kind of depends. Um, I look at it the way that I look at the, the cruiserweights in a way, because I, I think like, okay, I thought the, for example, the May Young classic was outstanding i mean both times i loved it absolutely loved it i don't know if there's if they're planning to do it again i don't know if anybody knows more about that than i do but i thought it was fantastic now i also thought the cruiserweight classic was fantastic but when they turned it into a regular thing to a five live it became ghettoized and it, it became like oh we're just gonna throw these guys on this show because Ah, they're not worthy of being on the main show. So I feel like I feel like the same thing might happen. So I guess what I'm saying is like I, I would be very much in favor of regular specials that are only women, like the Evolution pay-per-view or the May Young Classic and things like that. I feel like if they just got relegated to their own show, you would have the same thing happen that would happen with the cruiserweights, where it's like it becomes an afterthought. Like, so in other words, keep them as part of the integrated main roster, but then give them these showcase shows here and there where they get the spotlight to themselves. That, cre that creates the feeling of, yes, they're worthy, quote unquote, of being on the main roster. But we also want to showcase them on their own sometimes to show you how great they are. You know, whereas with the cruiserweights, it became like, yeah, this is so that we don't have to have these little guys running around on our main show. We'll just give them a little show like that. But that was what it projected. And I, I wouldn't want that to happen to the to the women's division. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I didn't want it to happen to the cruiserweight division either. So, you know. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is that, that there's a good way to do it, but not a whole lot of confidence that it would be done that way. Well, also think of the company we're talking about here. Right. right. You know? yeah. And that's for your former employers. I know. I'm I'm the bitter ex WWE guy, right? I almost feel like I, I'm I'm so hesitant to criticize them because I feel like that's what everybody expects me to do. Like he used to work, so he hates them. I'm sorry. What was that? What was that? The well wishes, right? They gave you well wishes, I'm sure. So. Yes, all my future endeavors have really turned out great in the last 13 years. Definitely. Yeah. You're Come on, you're doing well. <laughs> I, I, I was not, I was being, you know, I was not being sarcastic. It's true. Um, they really do that though. That's not just a gimmick. Like they, they do that even, even for office employees. Too. Awkward. Um, so I would actually like to ask our guests who devote so much time to watching and writing about women's wrestling. Who, who should viewers and listeners of this video slash podcast look out for as some of the next big women stars who, who aren't in let's, let's just narrow it down and say who aren't in WWE and AEW yet. Uh, it could be North American. It could be international stars. And I mean, that's a loaded question. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you want to list 10 people, that's fine. <laughs> but like, who are some people we should watch out for? 
Like everyone who's ever wrestled for Eve. Uh, I mean, that would be, oh man, there's so many. But the thing is, so many of them have been in there forever, like Jetta, um, or our ex WWE, or, or NXT UK, which is kind of pretty much ex WWE right now, at least. Um, but, you know, they're phenomenal over there. I mean, I am like, I never even knew about UK wrestling until I started writing uh, for Diva Dirt and still head at Diva Dirt. And, and then I learned about the NXT UK scene, or the UK scene, excuse me, and it was like, blew me away. Those women are phenomenal. They are crazy good. So that's my answer. Just keep a lookout on the UK scene. Everyone over there is great. And there's a lot of stuff on YouTube, too, like entire shows. Oh, yeah. And they pull, they pull from um, uh, Joshi a lot, too. So they pull from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would really definitely agree with Kristen. There's a lot of fantastic female talent in the UKC now. Um, it's absolutely worth keeping an eye on. Um, Eve does a great job showcasing those talents. Um, I've never, I've never seen an Eve show and been disappointed. They do a really great job. Um, I'm trying to think of a few North American names that I'm kind of waiting to see blow up. Um, Trisha Dora. I don't know if you, have you guys seen her wrestle? She's great. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm kind of surprised that AEW hasn't snapped her up yet. Um, she's super talented. She's um, she calls herself Lariat Tubman, which is like is just a wonderful. <laughs> like she has so much personality. She's so fun, um, and I don't know. She's just incredibly skilled. Like you watch her and you're like, oh, cool. That's the future of wrestling. There it is on two legs. This is awesome. Um, I'm trying to think. It's kind of hard because we wrestling hasn't been happening really for like the last mm-hmm. months. So I'm having to stretch my brain back a little bit. Uh, I think the C stars, if you're thinking um, mm-hmm. teams, I'm, I'm waiting for the C stars to get picked yeah. up. They, they're like an amazing tag team. They're so fun. They've been around for a while. Um, they're, they're just like the most adorable little, they're, they're great faces. And I think sometimes it's hard for like a face tag team that's women to like really get over with a crowd. Um, they do it and they, they have a fish hook gimmick, which is like both grotesque and really like fun and cool to watch. Uh, the Twisted Sisters too, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa has her new um, promotion in Texas. She's getting some really cool talent for that. Alex Garcia is amazing. Mm-hmm. But the Twisted Sisters are probably my favorite tag team. Holiday, you guys like Holiday? She rules, she's super scary. Um, she's just like this big, uh, like she's like six feet tall and Thunder Rosa is like, three feet tall and <laughs> people <laughs> it is so fun um those are the that, that's kind of like a little cluster of people that i keep waiting for a big company to hire and i'm shocked that it's not happened yet late i keep thinking about laney luck too Lady luck yes the whole unicorn thing i mean god she's built for tv she's got yeah, a she's still she's yeah. like so cute and fun she's got such a great look yeah. she's a technician like she's a beast yeah she's really great Sorry, that also reminded me Miranda Alize, I think. Okay, we can't we can't hear you, bud. There we go. I think I hadn't been on a, a Zoom call. But <laughs> I had, it was a benefit because I didn't talk over harmony, which I'm very good at talking over people by accident. Uh, it's, I swear it's not on purpose. I just get excited. <laughs> uh, but not an excuse. Um, Ashley Vox and uh, Thunder Rosa, of course, both showed up in NWA. And Thunder Rosa did yeah. not show up, won, won the championship. Um, but... Again, that's I mean that's not a big televised promotion, so they they can they can go higher than that. 
Um, and cheap, cheap plug here, Thunder Rosa is in the August 2020 issue of PWI, which will be on newsstands maybe by the time this goes up. Uh, it's available. I just did an interview with her. She's amazing. Yeah, she's really cool. Really um, um, and yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, there's a lot of great wrestlers on the independent scene. There's, of course, I mean, I think something worth mentioning as far as the UK goes, I mean, Kaylee Ray came out of Eve. I mean, she cut her teeth there. She mm-hmm. became a big deal there. And then WWE saw her and she was in, was it the first Mae Young Classic or the second? I forget which one she was in, but um, certainly that's how she got on her radar, on their radar was uh, from her performances in Eve. Um, so, I mean, there's just so much, I mean, really the, 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 there's such a huge amount of great wrestling out there. And I, I'm always kind of overwhelmed by it because there's so much to check out. Um, and that, you know, it's a challenge for us because we're, we're trying to cover the people that deserve coverage, but I mean, it's an exciting challenge. I mean, there's worse problems to have. Um, and, you know, great to hear all that. And I mean, some of those people I'm, that you mentioned, I'm more aware than, of than others. Um, but I mean, it's your input's really appreciated there, essentially is uh, what I'm saying. I'm rambling again. I'm very good at that. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. I know I put you a little bit on the spot with that question. Like, what wrestlers are good? Huh? <laughs> I, just, I felt bad because it was like, oh, well. I'm just going to talk for like an hour. Like, if you right. Right. list them Please. for you, you get my list out. <laughs> I mean, Alan and Brian have, have uh, kids they have to look after, but I mean, I'll hang out and you can just. <laughs> <laughs> or we can just my, my three-year-old had better be asleep by now. That's all I'm saying. Uh, almost yeah. 10 o'clock, so uh, Cool, cool. I mean, well, is there anything else? I mean, we've covered a lot of ground here. I mean, I think we could do something like this again, certainly. Uh, it was great having you both on the show. Um, is there anything else you want to add, like something that we haven't been able to cover here, that, something, an issue that you think needs more attention, something people should watch out for? Again, big, broad, open-ended question. Well, I guess I have sort of a broad open-ended question in return Um, because getting ready for this, I I read the letter explaining kind of the rationale of maybe combining the two lists. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was mentioned on there is the fact that for non-binary and gender fluid wrestlers, having a men's list and a women's list is exclusionary. And when I read that, I was like, that is absolutely true. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know where you'd put a wrestler like Sophie King on like the men versus women's list or still life with apricot and pears. Like it, you, you can't put them on either list without disrespecting them. So I, I like the idea of combining them at the same time. Like I get like, I wonder if you guys have thought about the way wrestlers with marginalized identities, especially when it comes to marginalized gender identities, like h- how to approach the way that it, companies don't always do the best job of working with those people and welcoming them and giving them the spotlight. I mean, I know still life had the Chikara championship and that was awesome, but I'm thinking about like, would a wrestler like that get a fair shake in WWE? Ugh, I, I wouldn't trust them to handle it. Well, like, yeah, it, again, a big question. I don't know or would expect PWI to be able to solve on themselves, but I'm just curious what, what thinking has gone into the way that people with those identities would interact with the list. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, this is a, a bigger issue that, that applies in a lot of, I mean, it's not just, not just gender. Um, but I mean, 
we could apply it to say race as well. Um, if we're ranking the people who are doing really well and who are in main events and who are winning the top titles for a lot of years in the top promotions, at least in North America, it was, it was white men, right? So there have been a lot of white guys who have topped the 500. It hasn't been exclusively white guys, but it's been, it's been mostly white guys. Um, and I think that issue, you know, this is part of why it's good to have not just, hey, who's in the main event and who's winning titles, even though we do place a lot of emphasis on those things. We've started placing a little more emphasis on the in-ring, the technical ability, um, and on things like influence on the sport. So something like Still Life with Apricots and Pears is a, is a good example. Um, they were the Young Lions Cup champion, as you mentioned. But apart from that championship, they're just very influential and inspirational for a lot of people. And that, yeah, that does carry some weight. And we, we consider that when we're ranking people. Um, is that the only thing? No, I mean, of course not, but it, I mean, it, it plays a role. Um, and I think there's room to consider these things. There are people who deserve the push, but maybe aren't necessarily getting it, you know? And we've definitely looked at some people who over the years, I mean, maybe we haven't been entirely consistent with this either. I mean, kind of an infamous example is Dean Malenko was number one the one year. So that's a very controversial choice because he didn't, I, did he even have any championships that year? Maybe the cruiserweight title in WCW? Yeah, right. Cruiserweight title. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was not the main yeah, event in WCW. That was purely Dean Malenko is a great wrestler and we're picking him. That was long before any of us were at the magazine, but I mean, that had to be the rationale for it. Right. So there's room to figure those things in, but if you just pick whoever's the best technically, Proficient. Um, I think Stu made a joke, something like, "Yeah, Daniel Bryan's in the top three every single year, and it gets yeah. like everyone's going to get sick of it." You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be Daniel Bryan. It could you can start. It could be Ricochet. It could it could be Oscar. Uh, it could be any number of wrestlers, right? But there's a reason that we have all these different criteria. Um, well, what one one thing I'd I'd bring up is um, I think there's a way to. Um, Address that that pro wrestling illustrated as a magazine, as an institution, as um, uh, uh, an organization with some influence and power uh, in the business can address some of these issues separate from the PWI 500 or or the women's 100. Because as we've touched on, to some extent, we are beholden to who is pushed, right? So um, you're right. I mean, it, it, it wasn't lost uh, on me with everything going on in, this, in, in the world this year. And now that we have the 500 mostly in place, looking at, at that top 10, um, I was certainly more mindful this year than other years about diversity, how much of it. Um, and, and it's frustrating because even if you you want to address it, your hands are tied somewhat by, by just the reality of who's uh, uh, getting pushed. So what, and, and I, I mean, I, I, I won't name names. I can think of, of, of one person who's in the top 10 this year um, who some people might raise some eyebrows uh, about. And I think the question of, is this person in there uh, because of their color? I think that's going to come up. At least people are going to, um, raise that question. Uh, so, but I, I, I think my, my point is, uh, and I think Kevin, to your credit, we're, we're already doing uh, more of this. 
part of it is who do we feature even outside of 500? I mean, where, where are there opportunities to, to do stories, features, profiles? Um, I, I, I think of, you know, um, something that we used to do before my time to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I don't know if it was in Pro Wrestling Illustrated or one of the sister magazines we do something like introducing, right? And I think we still do some of that, right? Uh, I think Mike puts some of that together. Uh, uh, so there, there is an opportunity to uh, give these folks some exposure, to give these folks uh, a platform, um, regardless of whether because of the criteria that they they um, deserve a place in the 500. Because for, for all these considerations, which I think are, are important, you, you, you do have to preserve the sanctity of the 500, right? And, um, you know, be sure that everybody on that list deserves to be on that list. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the problem if they don't deserve to be on the list is the list is meaningless, right? Like if, so, I mean, without getting too into it, I mean, there's people on the list who, and I mean, we've ranked people in the past who are like, Oh, like this person's on the list, but like this person is doing things in the ring that we are recognizing everybody else for. And we have to recognize this person if we're going to be fair. But the upside to that is when someone else who everyone universally really likes. And so, I mean, use an example a couple of years ago when Kenny Omega was the number one in the 500, people were thrilled because they looked at that as like a victory. And I mean, and when Kazuchika Okada was number one as well, like these guys that fans really loved and who had, they really felt like they'd earned it. They were good people. Like I can really get behind this one. And, you know, if, but I think that's only possible because we were grading who really had the most impact on the, the sport of wrestling that year. Yeah. Had we, and, and we can't be that concerned about whether fans will like it or not. You know? Right. And had we not picked the Miz that one year, we also couldn't have picked or Roman Okada for different reasons. It's strange of, to say that, but I remember the grief we got over Roman Reigns when he was number one. I remember the grief we got last year when Seth Rollins was uh, number one, but, but I'll defend both those. Um, to to the hilt because um, they were the top person in in the the business uh, at the time and so um, I, I I do think to some extent we have to try to keep some of this stuff out of uh, I, I I think as we were this year and and I think we're going to be more so next year we have to be mindful of these things in a way that we weren't um, before um, and I think it's just a reflection of the world changing. And I think we have to ask ourselves some questions that maybe we we didn't um, before. And uh, I think it's 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 right to think about issues like diversity when putting together that that top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but also, I, I I do think again we have to preserve the sanctity of of that. You know, every year when we put out the five hundred. Very often, I'm, I'm the one who who send out to talk to Busted Open. I know Dan did it a lot, and you kind of do the media rounds, and inevitably the question comes up, like, what's the criteria? And we have to be able to defend what that criteria, and we need to be able to to, to lay it out, you know, um, even while explaining that, that maybe uh, this year's 500 and certainly next year's, we, we did have a little bit of a different lens than we have other years. Right. And, I mean, like, one change that we had this year was, I mean, this is – more like a, a technical thing, but like we have this history of if somebody's in WWE and they're on TV, they're pretty much on the list. And that's, that was not the case this year. 
I can I feel comfortable saying that we did not necessarily put everybody who appeared on WWE TV on the list because at a point like does this person who lost a couple of times on Raw but was under WWE contract the entire year really mean more to the business than this really high level independent wrestler? I mean, how can you make that argument? I mean, do more people know them? Yes, but are they more important? Eh, you know, not not this year. You know, and that's another thing too because people have. Uh, their career years, and then they have some years where they're not doing as much, and we take all that into consideration. So, you know, I think it's evolving, but I think one thing we should acknowledge is that we evaluate things through this this lens, and we try to be as objective as we can, but, you know, we're human beings. Um, yeah. We have to be mindful of biases and blind spots. Um, so, I mean, one example I'll give, like, so last year, there was criticism that we missed a lot of really talented black wrestlers that were just not included on the list, independent wrestlers from various parts of the country. It was not on purpose, certainly, but like, oh yeah, this guy really should have been on the list. Why was he not on the list? Like we were not aware enough of this wrestler because we weren't monitoring him as closely as we should have been. You know, we mess up. We're, we're people, but at the same time, we're supposed to be getting these things right. And I'm, I've, firmly believe you, you need to be improving all the time. You need to be stepping your game up, right? So uh, a guy by the name of Righteous Reg who on Twitter um, who put out this list last year, the Black Excellence 250, and he'll be doing it again this year, but he may be doing 500. And he was basically saying, hey, PWI only had, I, th I forget how many people uh, uh, we had a, a, on the list, how many black wrestlers we had on the entire list, but it was not, it was not a lot. And it's not that we're trying to hit a minimum this year, but I said, you know, we clearly missed some people this year. So, like, I want to look at his list from last year and, like, yeah, you know, I'm not as aware of this person. We need to, like, look at what they're doing. And throughout the year, I was following all that, you know? And, like, the same way we look at our list from the previous year and, like, what's this person up to this year? There are people out there we don't know about as well. And, you know, there are, um, you know, there are not just one – I'm not going to – pretend it's 30 or 40% of the list are women this year, but we've only ever had one woman on the list in any given year. It's only happened a few times when there's been like a huge, like China when she was a really big deal or Sarah Del Rey when she was doing really well in the independent circuit in intergender matches. Um, this year, there's a lot more because there was just this awareness of, you know, we need to keep our eye in all over the country, all over the world. And and see who's out there. And, and I mean, we're inevitably, people are going to be like, how did you forget this person? And then we'll say, of course. And then next year we'll yeah. hope to do better. You know, that's, that's how it is. Um, but we're not perfect. We do have blind spots. We do make omissions and we do make mistakes and I not to excuse them. I want to do better. I don't know if this was brought up uh, while I was in traffic, but as far as the, the idea of integrating the list, I, I think, that throwing gender out the window and just making it a list of the top 500 biggest names, biggest talents, whatever you want to call it in the wrestling business in the long run, however, whenever, you know, if that were to happen, I think would be the way to go. I mean, I think it would only strengthen the list because, and indie, indie wrestlers will hate me for saying this, but there's a large bunch of names on there every year that readers go who the heck are these guys you know what i mean nothing against them but i think like if we if we took the list and said okay who are the biggest stars who are the most important names who are the biggest draws who are the most successful 
who are, you know, whether they're men, women, non-binary, whatever they may be, I think you wind up with a stronger list. List. You wind up with a list that's more full of names that people are going to go, yes, all of these people belong on this list, like down to 500. You know, that that's my gut feeling on it. I think it, it actually strengthens the list. Like, because I think when people might have, people are against it, they might have this gut reaction of, oh my God, if we, if, if we put all these women on the list, then all these deserving male wrestlers who would have gotten on the 500 in the past aren't going to be on there. And I think like, okay, we're not saying like, Seth, you know, Seth Rollins is going to be on there. You know what I mean? Like Randy Orton is going to be on there. Bray Wyatt's going to be on there. Chris Jericho, all those, they're all going to be on there. But maybe we say Sasha Banks, Bailey, you know, belong on the list more than some guy in an indie somewhere that no one's ever heard of. And that is my controversial opinion that I'm going to hang my name on. Just me saying that I think you strengthen the list by doing that. So. And I, and I think, I think that is ultimately where we're moving. Could it be next year? Possibly. I, I said, even just from a practical standpoint, we're so far into this year's list that there's yeah. kind of, it's the list. And I mean, we're already making patching preliminary plans for, for the women's 100. So uh, valuation period is still open for that, however. Um, so there's a little bit of time for people to make their, to render their accomplishments and then, you know, be uh, evaluated. But um, yeah, I think that's where we're moving. I think, I mean, we want to, like you said, it's, it's, it'll be competitive. And honestly, this year's list was a lot more competitive. You those people who wrestled a few matches in WWE, but weren't all that successful aren't on the list because how do you justify that when you have this, increasingly visible independent scene with all these different streaming services and um you have nwa power this year of course i mean you have AEW this year you didn't have that as an entity last year and even just that taking the top AEW wrestlers the top tag wrestlers in AEW, that that's a lot of spots and you know and not, not everybody in AEW is ranked either but it's it's very competitive even as it is and it'll probably get more competitive but i mean maybe it's you know it's better for that Tag Team 200, Kevin. Tag, I'd like the Tag Team 200. That's a cool idea. Well, do you think, uh, and maybe this goes without saying, but but would the inclusion of, of women in the PWI 500 or the integration of um, of the two mean the end of the women's 100? I think it would have to, and that... And that and that does make me sad because that's I mean readers enjoy that issue we enjoy putting that issue together. One cool thing about that is the 500 has the entries are roughly half the length except for the very top ranked people of the women's 100 list, and every woman wrestler gets gets her photo included in the list. So that there's a level of notoriety and visibility that comes with being in that list that does not come with being in the 500 list even if you're number 99 or 100 um you could be 50th in the 500 and you have a shorter write-up and maybe your photos on the page and maybe it's not because there's one photo on each page you know i I think it's something that that we should put out to our our readers get some feedback i mean we've got you know we've got a year to make this um decision i think it and and i and um you know, maybe, maybe it's arrogant of us to think that, that we could make it on our own, you know, and, and I'm sure there are tons of people um, who read and, and some are watching, listening now who have got perspectives and viewpoints that could inform um, 
this conversation and we, you know, maybe at the end of the day, we decide it's not the way to go. Maybe for, for a lot of the reasons some you just mentioned, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for a women's uh, 102, not the least of which just speaking purely business-wise is it's, a, as you touched on, it's a popular issue, right? I mean, yeah. you, you do away with women's 100 and what else do you do? Uh, well, we'll find something else. I mean, like yeah. we, we can come up with ideas. We're creative bunch theoretically. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Kristen and Harmony, after hearing all this, like, what, what do you think? Like, where, are, what, what would you do, you know, if theoretically next year you're in charge of this whole thing? Do you merge the lists? Do you combine them more gradually? What do you think? I think Nobody. it would solve the issue that Harmony brought up. Mm -hmm. If you just remove gender at all, what mm -hmm. solves that issue? Um, maybe gradually. I think what, what might happen is because, you know, PR companies for wrestling promotions or promoters, they notice, they want to be on, they want the wrestlers to be on this list, right? So if you combine them, yes, it might, might skew the competition, but it might actually make them want to push the women more. It might make the women's divisions better because, hey, there isn't a women's 100. There's one list. And you get one list to be on, and that's it. And now maybe, now maybe promotions start ramping up all their women's divisions because they want their women on that list. I mean, the list comes with some clout, right? So maybe it'll make women's wrestling better. Yeah, um, I I pretty much agree. Like, I don't know. I've always thought that gender divisions in wrestling are dumb. Frankly, I've always thought it doesn't help the sport it only hurts it it especially hurts the women in it and people with marginalized identities it it just doesn't help anything um i do i do like struggle with how people end up on the list and and i really appreciate you guys being so transparent and talking it through and bringing us into that process it really really helped me understand how people get on it um i wonder if maybe there's like a like you could kind of work your way up to it and have a year there where you have like your top 100 men, your top 100 women, and then the remaining 300 is a mix of all of the people we just thought were cool or like, here's the whole list, but here's 50 people that didn't make the list that we want you to know about. Um, and maybe if you could bring in some of the more diverse voices in the wrestling world, like, you know, wrestling companies like primetime pro wrestling or uncanny attractions, like, you could bring in people from those companies that kind of specialize in working with like LGBTQ populations and say like, Hey, help us make a list. That's like the top 50 LGBTQ wrestlers in America today. Like, I think there are ways you could like break it up and approach it and bring in some more voices to influence who's on it. That would, that would kind of help with that balance a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think combining the lists would be work and it would take time for wrestling fans to get used to it. And let's be real, wrestling fans are also going to complain no matter what you guys do. So I wouldn't take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, you don't be a people pleaser. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think if you're as thoughtful and transparent as you guys have been in this conversation, it will work. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you both taking the time to talk to us. And uh, again, excuse me for rambling so much and asking these broad sweeping questions that I expect you to have the answers to. But I mean, again, your perspective is is appreciated here. And I think I think you really hit the nail on the head there, Harmony, with trying to bring different perspectives in and how important that is. And I, I do take that seriously. Um, and I mean, it's the same reason that, I mean, 
even just we would we wouldn't assign one wrestler or one wrestler one writer the list and just say go make a 500 list and that same logic applies to hey you know what like there's ways to bring more people into the fold and even if it's a little bit more a little bit too unwieldy to have a zoom call with 20 people on it there are different ways to make it work people can turn in here's what i think and then you like okay here's what so and so thinks and like what about this i hadn't like you you mentioned this person but what about this person you know um there's different ways it's my the wheels are turning here and it's not my mouth is moving faster thoughts are coming maybe maybe this is a question to be put out in the 2021 pwi poll yes way to work the product back in (laughs) (laughs) october issue by the way i called uh i called the october issue the august issue earlier so great job by me there All right. Um, anything else to add? I mean, I mean, both of you again. Thank you so much for devoting so much of the, your 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 time here tonight to this. Uh, any anything to plug? Well, women's wrestling. Just continue to watch it, whatever form it's out there. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at Harmonopoly. If you want to me yell about wrestling more, I'd be happy to. <laughs> great length on there. Just look me up. Um, and I do write for Bell to Bells and I want to plug that site. Um, I think they do a really good job with unique wrestling that great coverage from a lot of different people, a lot of different ideas, you do great op-eds. Um, just want to put in a plug, come check out our work. We're, we're proud of what we do and I, it's pretty damn good. And that's Bell to Bells, B-E-L-L to T-O, B-E-L-L-E-S. Right. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's, uh, some viewers and listeners are going to know already, but for those who don't, there you go. Uh, and if you didn't hear it, I guess rewind it. 